I want to speak about the battle over your identity. It's major. You know, the devil's told some heterosexuals that they're homosexual and they believed him. It's just not true. It's not true. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons that go into stuff like that, but that's just an indicator of the battle over identity. And see, if you don't really know who you are, you don't know what to do. Now, there's some people, honestly, they're so spiritual that their life force from God, their, their vitality from God compels them to be who they are when they don't even know. But most people aren't like that. John the Baptist apparently was like that. When they asked him if he was Elijah the prophet, he said no. Jesus said he was. Who was right? Jesus was right. And so um, I believe we're all... So it's not absolutely imperative you know who you are, but it's like 95% important to know who you are. And that's because identity releases destiny in certain ways. And so I've got a long history of God explaining to me who I am. And um, But I want to show you something out of the Scripture. Um, one of my real heroes, and probably yours too, is... Simon Barjona, also known as Peter, Simon Peter. And on the Day of of Atonement this past year, the Lord showed me something about his relationship with with Peter, that in reading the, you know, my, my first Bible my grandmother gave me when I was 1957. I didn't read it for 10 years, but I did have it. So I've been reading the Bible a long time, and I'm not an expert. I think that's a dangerous viewpoint. But I, I saw something just a few months ago I'd never seen before about the relationship between Jesus and Simon Peter, and it's this. The gospel writers use the term or the name Peter indiscriminately. How many times do you think they wrote it? Well, I know, for instance, in the Gospel of John alone, Jesus used the term Father a hundred times. hundred and five times, I think it is. Something like that. So if you think it's important to know if God's Yahweh, Jehovah, or the Tetragrammaton pronounced backwards with a side order of French fries, you're just crazy. Jesus said Father. That was good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. Moving right along. So, Jesus only used it five times recorded in the Gospels. Now, I think that's very significant. And if you look at it, which is we're going to do that this morning, each time he used it, he was telling Simon Barjona who he was. Do you know why? 
he didn't know. Let's go to, um, I, could, I could mention this. Let me mention this. Along the lines of the battle over your identity, go back to John the Baptist. An angel appears to his father, whose name is God has remembered. Say God has remembered. Now, we say uh, Zechariah's. But when Zechariah said his name, hello, my name is God has remembered. And so the angel of the Lord appears to God has remembered when he's old and barren, doesn't have any kids. And the Lord basically says through the angel of the Lord, I remembered your prayer. What would his prayer be? Give me a son. That's what his prayer was. And... God had remembered, didn't believe the angel. So <laughs> Zechariah really wasn't living up to his name. Who's following this? Is that making sense? Yeah. I mean, his name was God remembers. God hears. God answers. Why? Because he remembers what's important to you. Now, here's one point I want to make. Why should they name, why should Zechariah name his son after himself when he can't live up to his own name? Somebody pay attention to that, please. Now, what does that mean? That means you don't know what your kids are supposed to do. You just think you do. Go back to Little League. Guys coaching 10 and 12 years old and screaming at them like it's the World Series. What they're doing is they're living out their own frustrations through these poor little boys and girls. They just want to play baseball. And one old guy screamed at one of my kids so bad, he, he wouldn't play anymore. And I told Donna, I mean, my boy would get at the plate and he'd go, Hey, what are you doing? He'd swing. No, no, don't swing at that one. And uh, in mercy, grace, patience, and love, I said to Donna, I'm going to show up at that guy's work one time when he's on the phone. I'm going to start screaming at him, No! No! Don't say that! <laughs> who's, who's, uh, who's walking in a little reality this morning with me that way? So anyway, so they had a battle, they had a battle over John's identity. God has remembered, didn't believe God would remember. And so the angel said, name him John, but you ain't going to talk till the boy's born because I don't want you to undo what I'm doing through your unbelief. And so I don't trust you to be quiet. I'm going to help you <laughs> be quiet. That's the book right there. Somebody told me you shouldn't use the term mystic moose tails because mystic's a bad word. I said, no, nah, it's not. Yeah, it is. Why don't you call him charismatic caribou? <laughs> I had mercy, but I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
it was everything I could do not to just laugh at this poor young lady who really felt like she was helping me. So I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I thought, gosh. <laughs> now, after John's born, they ask Elizabeth, what should we name the child? And she says, John. And they say, we can't name him John. There's no one in our family named that. Meaning, we're going to tell him who he is. Whether he likes it or not. But see, it's heaven's. Heaven wants to name you. And I'm, I'm not suggesting go change your name. You know, I don't think that's the point because you can change it to the right name, still not live the right life. So don't don't go nuts over this deal. But realize God wants to tell you who you are. And and so when they gave John a means to write, I mean, Zechariah a means to write, and they said, what's his name going to be? He wrote, his name is John. And immediately he was given his, his voice back. And see, when you, you know, you get released, you get real release at times when you just agree with the Lord. You really do. So it's major. So, okay, the first time Jesus used, called um, Simon Barjona Peter is in John 1, 40 through 42. And I think they're going to try to put these scriptures up. One of them, yeah, let's, let's go there. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We've found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. Now that's, um, I guess it's Aramaic for the Greek, Peter, but it's the same, same thing. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And so here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was saying, I know who you are, but you don't. See, Peter thought he was a fisherman. Well, he was a fisherman. Thought he was a business partner. Well, he was a business partner. Thought he was a husband. Well, he was a husband. But really, what he was, he was an apostolic pillar of a spiritual movement that would ultimately take over the world. For the, and I'm not preaching yada, yada, yada stuff, but I'm just saying there the day will come when it shall be said, for the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, however it works, he shall reign forever and ever. So, Peter, you want to be a fisherman? You want to be what I'm saying you are. I know who you are. You don't. I'm going to tell you, you can't find yourself apart from Jesus. And when you find yourself with him, it's because you've lost yourself. 
you've thrown yourself into him and you you live it's amazing it's amazing this current christian generation to me the younger lots of them they're just not devout they they're just messing around this little girl came to me one time and said yeah, I like your church, but I don't know. For some reason, I just don't go. I said, I know why you don't go. She said, why? I said, because you don't get in your car and drive up here when it's time to meet. <laughs> she didn't like that. But, you know, you got to understand about me. I'm a really nice guy, right, Charlie? <laughs> But just don't mess with me. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to know, don't ask. That's just sort of the way I am. But I, I am. I'm, I'm getting kinder by the dealing of God day by day. But um, I just said to her, I said, you know, the thing concerns me about your generation is you don't believe in sacrifice. She said, well, I can't, when I come to the church, I don't feel like I get fellowship with anybody. I said, you're not supposed to. You think you fellowship when you go to a church meeting with 200 people? What are you thinking? You do that in other meetings. It's a pretty awesome message. Anybody? Oh, okay. <laughs> now. The second time. You ready for this? Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Any of these could, I could go an hour on probably any one of them, but I'm, I'm not going to. It's just, that just won't work. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And there's something really important. You know, we will offer general, generic opinions and really at times never just nail our colors to the mast and say who we are and what we believe. Who do people say Jesus is? Yada, yada, yada. This guy, that guy, maybe the other. How about you? Who do you say? Who do you say? So who answers? Simon Peter. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, and notice how he does this, Blessed are you who? Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are... Peter. All right, let's just stop right here. Here's what's going on. Jesus says, who am I? All the guesswork and non-devoted answering, he brushes aside. And then he says, but who do you say I am? And this man named Simon Barjona says, you are the one we've been waiting for. You are the Son of God. You're the one 
worth giving everything up for. You're the one worth being humiliated, embarrassed, and impoverished over if it comes to that. You are the one Isaiah told us about. You are the one uh, the book of Genesis listed as the seed. You are everything we've ever wanted or needed. And he says, and you're Peter. Until you know who Jesus is, he can't tell you who you are. So don't play. Don't play. Find out and commit something to him. Or you'll never know who you are. You'll be wandering around. You'll be like me selling pots and pans and ice machines and stoves and, and teaspoons 25 years till I work some of this out. You don't know who you are till you know who he is. And he won't tell you until you engage him at that level. Now, I'm being pretty radical with this message. I'm sure there's other things to consider. Let's just don't consider them this morning. Let's, let's don't uh, dilute a word by balancing it. I'm telling you, man, me and Charlie Wallace went to high school together, played little league baseball together, got saved together. We did not have a clue as to who we were. Were we hippies? Were we popular? Were we singers in a band? Were we baseball players? Were we football players? Was I whom my brother said I was? I hope not. <laughs> was I whom my mama said I was? <laughs> she wanted to be a dentist. I said, Mom, I'm not looking in people's mouths the rest of my life. Open up. Oh, God. Please pass the jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm glad they're dentists. I got a good one. That's who he is. Oh, man. You're the Christ, Jesus said, and you're Peter. Now, it goes on to say this. On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I'll give you the keys. You don't get the keys till you know who you are. Now, the Catholics say the church that the gates of hell won't prevail against is built on apostolic succession of the apostle Peter, and it's not. And the Protestants say, I'm a Protestant, the church is built on a revelation of who Jesus is, and it's not. It's built on a person who knows who they are because they know who Jesus is and He's told them who they are. Because how many people do you know know Jesus and the gates of hell wear them out on a regular basis? Come on. 
The gates of hell prevailed. What does that mean? It means you're sick. It means you're depressed, frustrated, angry, bitter. I would say those represent hell and not heaven. But see, until you know who you are and you know who he is, you're going to be prevailed against. What, what would happen if there's a whole church of people that knew who they were and knew who Jesus was? Come on. That'd be a good church to go to. Now, the message says this, Matthew 16, 18. Now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. Picks that whole theme up. Not just giving Peter a nickname because it's interesting. You're Peter, a rock. It goes on to say this in verse 19. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. That's out of control. No more barriers. Then it tells you what those keys are. You don't know what the keys are? Get your pen out. Jacob, write this down, son. <laughs> That's good. Here are the keys. Repeat after me. Yes? No. Those are the keys of the kingdom. Let's review that. <laughs> keys of the kingdom. Repeat after me. Yes? yes. No? No? You say yes to what heaven... Now, now, here's the problem, and I almost manifested the problem. We're waiting on heaven to say yes so we can agree with heaven. Heaven's already had something to say waiting on you to agree with heaven because that's what it goes on to say. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is... A no on heaven. That's just the Bible. That's not all. Let's read it together. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven, no in heaven. And so what happens to Peter is he takes the yes. You've got to use the right key, though. Peter used the yes key to let the Jews into the kingdom. But when the Lord was giving him the yes key to let the Gentiles in, he said no. We're going to see that in a minute. Let that incubate. Third time. This is awesome, man. You're getting ready to get blessed. If you're not blessed already, here comes a little shot. Luke twenty-two thirty-one through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. 
And when you return to me, means be converted, strengthen your brethren. That means a lot of people know Jesus that aren't really converted. Or as we use the word converted, wrong. I don't mean they're not saved. I just mean they're not. If they were a car, their top would be up. They need to use the convertible aspect. And Lord, Never mind. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, who? Peter. The roast, roaster. This is like he's at St. Arbucks or something. Anybody catch that? Roaster? Okay. The rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Now, here's the story, and this is so awesome because it just magnifies the grace of God. Peter was already in the worst day of his life, and he didn't know it. It had already, it had already started. So why did Jesus use that word Peter? Because he was saying, no matter what you go through, no matter what stupid thing you do, no matter what wicked thing you may do, God help us, don't forget who you are. Come on, it is it. That is it, it. That's it with steroids on it. That's God picking you, knowing you what a person you're like. When you messed up, he didn't go, God, I'm so ashamed. That's what your mama said. But your mama ain't Jesus. He said, I saw it coming. I tried to keep you out of it, but you just did it anyway. Don't forget who you are as you lie to people about me with oaths and curses. I like a God like that. Come on. Come on. If you're not happy, you ain't messed up good enough yet. Are you hiding something? I don't know what it is. But anyway, I'm playing, but I'm okay. All right. He'd already begun the worst day of his life. Jesus was saying, I don't care what you do. Don't forget who you are. We're going to find out that Simon Peter, Simon Barjona went into this. He came out different. He just had to knock some cobwebs off. But his failure was necessary to put to death a part of him that would only keep him from fulfilling his calling. Now, when I say necessary, that's 2020 hindsight. Was it necessary for him to go through that if he did? If he did, it was. Why? He did. That's like when you get married. Am I marrying the right person? I don't know. After you get married, yes, you are. Just needed a little bit more definition. I served on jury. Did I tell you about when I served on jury duty 
And the guy got up and he said, basically, uh, uh, name, rank, and serial number. Get up in front of the whole crowd, the lawyers, the judges, and tell everybody your name, your marital status, and your occupation. So I was going to get up and I was going to say, uh, Pastor. Lord said, why don't you say healing evangelist, see what these people do. <laughs> I thought, all right. I did. Let me tell you what they did. Nothing. <laughs> the rest of the week, <laughs> they didn't do anything. I was not visible. <laughs> but you've got to nail your colors to the mast. Who are you? I'm a pastor. Not ashamed of the gospel, usually. Oh, uh, so this guy, he says now in the state of South Carolina, back at the jury duty, the state of South Carolina, if you're living with somebody, you're married. Hello? Walked out that day, and an old country boy said to me, golly, he did talk to him. He's only got to talk to him. I said, what? Went to jury duty, found out I was married. That's, that's a true story. So if you're married, you married the right person. For the fourth time. How are we on time? We, oh, okay, we're all right, I guess. That clock right? Okay. Mark 16. Anybody get anything out of this today? Okay, all right. A little bit. Get what you pay for, Hope. And the wonderful thing about this is you pay for the message after it's over. <laughs> Palmer's awesome. Palmer gave me some white shoes one time. Size 13, dirty bucks. Thank you. White bucks, white bucks. Mark 16, verse 6. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. So obviously this was the angel after the crucifixion resurrection. And the most amazing thing is not one man, woman, or child that we can find in the Bible believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Now we, we, and we should, we honor the women for going to the tomb early. But they weren't going down there to welcome him back into the land of the living. They were going to keep him from smelling bad. Embalm him. And so it's honorable. It's just not enough. They didn't believe. And when they saw Jesus... And they went back to the apostles. The apostles said, you're just lunatics. They really called them that. They said, that's just the raving of an unbalanced woman. That's how much unbelief had set in in those three days. So that's an awesome thing. It means if you have some awesome unbelief working on you, that means you're just a part of that apostolic company. It happens. And you don't have to believe what you think. Did you ever get that? You don't have to believe what you think. You're not under any obligation to sign up for whatever goes through your mind. If I did, my picture would be on the post office wall right now. I mean, stuff can come through my mind, and I think, you know, that's sort of 
deviant. Well, it is. But it's not who I am. I'm not signing up. Next. Yeah, you don't have to believe what you think. That'd be ridiculous. Okay. But go tell his disciples, verse 7, and who? Peter. That he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went quickly, fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This only appears, go tell my disciples and Peter, one time in Mark's gospel, and Mark wrote Peter's gospel. Peter wanted people to realize what Jesus felt about him in his fallen condition, in his state of betrayal. And Jesus was saying this, Peter, you may have forgotten who you are, but I haven't forgotten who you are, and I'm coming after you. Come on. Jesus knew who he was. He prophesied to him before he fell. When you're converted, you're going to be awesome. When you work this thing out, you're going to be imposing, impressive, effective, unrelenting. Simon may have gone into Galilee. Peter came out. And I want to tell you something, in the whole Gospel of John, I mean in the whole last chapter of John, when Jesus restored Simon Peter, he never used the name Peter. He, he continued to use Simon, Simon Barjona. Do you love me more than these? I think he was talking about the fish. Because Peter earlier said, just read the Greek, Peter said, I'm done with preaching, I'm going back to fishing, anybody want to come with me? And being the leader he was, his cousins went with him. And then Jesus shows up and he says, Children still under construction, do you have anything to eat? And they've been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. So he said, Well, you're doing it wrong. Fish on the other side of the boat. Here's how wide those boats were. And so God wants to use the supernatural to capture you. That's what it took to capture Simon. And I'm holding out. If you want me, Jesus, show me something. Do something. Act. Reveal your face. Heal. Save. Deliver. Transform. Do crazy miraculous. That's what it's going to take to keep me going at peak efficiency. Well, Robin, you just need more faith. i tell you what kind of faith I've got. I've got faith to be a Christian 44 years, and I'm still lukewarm, almost hot. So just don't mess with me. i just get a little water out here. The fifth time, Acts 10.
uh, salvation of the Gentiles through a man named Cornelius. And a voice came to Simon. It says to him, what's it say? Rise who? Rise Peter. Now here's what happened. Peter was fasting. He's up on this Simon the Tanner's house down by the seaside. He's hungry. And the Lord lowers a menu. It's a sheet with a bunch of animals on it. And, and Jesus says, pick one, kill it, need it. And Peter said, no. And so Jesus did it two more times. Then there's a knock at the door, and the Gentiles looking for a man named Simon Barjona who can tell them things they need to know since that angel came to their house and sent them two days' journey over here to get him. See, Cornelius' crowd came in faith, and Peter didn't even believe he could speak to them about Jesus until they knocked on the door, and the Lord said, Go down with these guys and don't doubt anything. Peter, here's the point. Unless you change your mind about major things, you will never reach your full destiny. What things? I don't know. Your things. Are you in your destiny? Are you doing the things you know you were born for? Nobody can answer that question, really, but you don't think. Here's my history. Years ago, the Lord began to tell me who I was. And I'm using... One of the things he told me one time, he said, you're a raconteur. I didn't know what that was. It's French for storyteller. Not liar. A person who excels in telling anecdotes. I've got a 50,000-word anecdote, 52,000-word creative story I made up. You know when I got the idea for that book? John Mark's 34. He might have been five. He was still watching DuckTales on television with his brother. That's how long ago. That's how long ago it took me to fully embrace part of who I am. Now, let me say there's two aspects of identity, at least. I'm not an expert. I'm just telling you what I know. There's relational and there's functional. Yeah, there's relational identity, functional identity. And if all you have is a functional identity, then you have an identity crisis when your function isn't working well. Because you still don't know who you are relationally. But knowing who you are relationally is not enough. You need to also know your function. 
And so the Lord began to tell me aspects of my function. Another thing he said one time, and he mispronounced it. He said, you're a harbinger. I said, what's a harbinger? Somebody said, what do you mean? Well, I don't know, harbinger. Lord says a harbinger. He said, oh, you mean harbinger? I said, all right. Well, I'm just telling you, Jesus has an accent. <laughs> Let me tell you what a har- harbinger is. A robin is a harbinger of springtime. Lord's tricky. It's one that pioneers or initiates a major change. Presages or foreshadows what is to come. A forerunner. The robins, a harbinger of springtime. Every time I come up here, something awesome ought to follow behind me. Then another night... uh, I can't go into all this, but I had a dream where these angels told me, when I told them who I was, they said, oh, you're Joyful Philip. And, I, I, you know, this is 20-plus years ago. I don't know what they're talking about. The second one, I introduced myself, and, and, and they said, oh, you're Joyful Philip. See, heaven knows who you are. You don't. I mean, you may, I'm, I'm saying that by principle, you could have heard things already, so don't, don't go into some kind of a declension here. But. And then they said, there's a prophetic mantle called the Duns of God. And if you know how to live under the canopy of that tabernacle, All God's fullness is at your disposal. And it's held up by nine aspects of the finished work of Jesus. I had no clue. But it's just apostolic Christianity. It's believing the past tense truths of the Bible. It's telling me what I am, what I'm supposed to be doing. Then I had a John Deere experience where... The Lord showed me this green and yellow tent in the night that overshadowed my life. And when I asked him what it was, he asked me to describe it. And I said, it's this big John Deere looking thing. And he said, yes, John's dear to me. And what he was saying was, you have the same covering the Apostle John has. See, that that began to, to bring in the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, the disciple, called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Nobody else did. He did. It's because he knew that to be true. Even if no one else could identify it to be true for him, he knew it. See, that, that John Deere part, that's my relational identity. Joyful Philip, functional identity. Raconteur, functional identity. John Deere, covering. Love of God. Beloved. God's favorite. That's me. I had a dream one time. I was going to fly on an international flight, and my driver's license was right, Robert Agnew McMillan, but my ticket said John McMillan. And the Lord said, if you're going to fly, you've got to fly as John. Because you're not, you're not Robert Agnew. You're John. 
you're, you're the disciple I care so much about. Now, your mama called you that, but, you know, okay. Named you after your granddaddy and his granddaddy. But see, they couldn't tell. They told me I was an associate reformed Presbyterian. I'm not putting those guys down. That's just not who I am. Now, I had, I think, two cousins that were pastors, ARP pastors. We go to the family union. They would say, Robin, what do you do? I said, I pastor church. They'd say, uh, okay, oh, where'd you go to seminary? I said, I didn't go. And they said, well, you can't be a pastor. I said, okay. I wasn't checking with them. And at one point, our worship team was bigger than their church. They should be checking with me. Come on. They listened to the wrong person and became the wrong thing. I listened to the right person. And I'm becoming. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm still becoming. All right. This dear gentleman in the purple sweater there, I would like to pray for you. Do you mind if I pray for you today? Yeah, I just, I just, uh, I've just felt the love of God coming your way all morning. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah. The thing I'm feeling is that you have been the um, object of um, confusing conversation and attack. Yeah. Well, tell you what to do. Just think through this. Don't worry about answering now. And I'm praying right now that a brand new season of restoration and reconciliation will come into your life and a brand new sense of the love of God. I'm not saying you've never had any of this. I'm just praying for the next season for that. And there are people who have treated you in an unmannerly way. And the Lord is asking that you pray for them. And as you do, you'll begin to see more and more of that restoration for them and for your, your own life. Does that make sense? Okay. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Or not? <laughs> Yeah. What is your name again? I know you. Rhonda. Rhonda. You you have cried out for uh, help in specific areas, and the Lord is going to help you. Yeah, he's going to release both in the natural and in the supernatural um, the kind of help that will delight just delight your heart.
And there's something, it's, it's like the something the Lord says, I don't want you to make mention of a certain thing anymore. Because the Lord says, I get it. I say, I don't get it. I don't know. I'm siding with Jesus. And I feel like there is some sort of a physical manifestation or healing the Lord wants to release in you. It may be a female thing. I don't know. But um, I'm just releasing that right now. And... uh and there's been this, this I don't know, uh, like people, uh, like controllers. Um, I don't know if that's in your mind or in your experience, but you're like, uh, I get this word sometimes, conquistador, which is just a weird way. It's one of my tags to see. Let's just break off the power of any controlling spirit in the name of Jesus. And this is very strange, but I'll just go ahead. There's something about mayonnaise <laughs> that uh, I don't like sandwiches if they don't have a lot of mayonnaise on it. But there's like oil and protein. The Lord's going to make some things very tasty for you. Uh, he's going to season your life. That's a really good word right there. I can feel that. That's a really good word. That's right. That's it. Yeah, witchcraft. Put your hand up. We're just going to break off witchcraft. Oh, hey, how are you doing? Would you like something? Let me hold your hand. What's your name? Megan. Megan. You see, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling the love of God jump on people. <laughs> and uh, Lord, for Megan, you see, uh, doubting is overrated, Megan. And doubting is agreeing with the wrong information as though it's right. And I just sense uh, like a fresh, have you ever felt an anointing? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I'm sure. Okay. Well, Becky, do you see her forehead just started? Do you see that? Yeah, you have a fresh impartation. And the thing about anointings is you can have them and not know they're here yet. That's why I'm telling you. So why don't you say, I got a new, I got a new anointing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just see the Lord bringing you into like a time of therapeutic health and healing. Yeah, like a Holy Ghost spa. Get your nails done. You know, get your hair done. Get in that, get in that spa. You feel that on your hands, too. You must be an intercessor. She pray for people. Look at that. Do you feel that? And the Lord, I believe this, he's going to cancel some debt. I said that to a girl one time. She'd been in the doctor, had, I've got a copy of it. Um, 
they forgave her a $27,000 doctor bill. That's a canceled debt. And the Lord's bringing you into, stand up please, a new place of clarity. And see, the whole time you were sitting there, I think you were thinking, I sure wish I got something. He went right by me. He looked at me. That's your baby. Well, there's a new level of clarity coming for you. And um, I don't know if there's ever been like a fear of cancer or some particular disease. But I just break off of you now every single fear of sickness, every single fear of disease. I break off in the, oh, in the name of Jesus, any bloodline, uh, any inheritable diseases. We, we put up um, the Passover blood of the lamb and let the death angel pass over and not light upon this household. And there seems like they're... Uh, children that have gone astray. I don't know if you're married or even got kids, but I'll just say that anyway. seems like they're kids that have gone astray that the Lord's in the process of tracking down, and he's going to apprehend them. He's going to write them a ticket, and he's going to take them to court, and he's going to help them get free. Is that making any sense? No. Oh, he does? Come on, there's juice on it. I can be wrong, I'm just not wrong now. I just ask the love of God just to fall on people. I got a name. I don't know if this is Lord. Sometimes you know, but is there a Clara first name, middle name? Anybody in here with a Clara? Something back there? Oh, Lord, give us more accurate stuff that would set people free. Get old Steve and Janice up. Hop up, Steve and Janice. Let's pray for you guys. I love these guys. Steve and Janice are Mordecai's. They have served the Lord faithfully over the years and been overlooked. But like Mordecai, the day fast approaches for the record. Judy Ball, you've got to stand up. You've got to agree with that, you and Jerry, because there's a demonic thing that's going after these guys and their money and their livelihood, and they don't have any business working hard at this age. So we break off. You know, in Jesus' name, I can speak as Jesus. I'm not speaking as Robin. He, the devil's not afraid of me. He's afraid of my big brother. And my big brother says, you have to stop now. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on.
pal. <laughs> Steve, you don't have to do anything. Pal. You don't. You don't. There's no pressure. No. No, no, no. It's just anointing coming. Whatever way, shape, or form. <laughs> Did you feel that? <laughs> pal. Lay your hands on somebody next to you. Like this gentleman. You're awesome. I'm going to prophesy over you. You want to stand up and get blessed? What's your name? Woody. Woody. Lord, thanks for Woody. Thanks for Woody. Thanks for Woody. I can't, in the minute you said that, I heard the phrase, would he? Oh, I know what you said. I know it's your name, but I'm hearing the Lord answer on your behalf a question you could ask for yourself towards the Lord, would he? And the Lord says, I will, I shall. I'm, answer, I'm, a, I'm a prayer answering God. I'm a prayer answering God. So I believe the Lord's promising to answer a real serious prayer or request. I don't even know if it's a formal prayer, but it's what's in your heart asking God for. Mm. Amen.